All right, hello everyone. Welcome to this hot uh, this episode of the Hot Seat Podcast. I'm your your host Scott Henderson, A.K.A. Scotty Hendo on the interwebs. And today's show is entitled Mid Career Moves. If you joined us for the last episode, you heard a common refrain from our guests uh, that it took years for them to find a job they felt was really the right fit for them. So assuming you're like most people, uh, you're probably uh, asking yourself, uh, how do you get yourself into the position to make a mid-career move? So by special request, we've set up tonight's uh, conversation, and this is for everyone who's already in the workforce and interested in how to make their next move. Maybe you're looking up, uh, to move up the ladder, maybe you're wanting to switch roles within your same company, or maybe you want to take on new responsibilities in a whole different industry. So through this roundtable conversation and some speed mentoring tonight, um, you'll learn from mentors who've done what, uh, what you would like to do. So we've got people from AT&T, Bilmo, Ingenious Micro, Emerson, Techsware Labs, ThyssenKrupp, and Calendly. How about that? Pronounced that right, Felix? All right, gotta make sure. I always see it. I've never heard someone talk about it, so, so that's for me. So. You're just on the internet. They're on the internet. So then uh, they'll be there for you. So whether you're a first-time listener or a long-time fan of our podcast, let me explain how the show works since we're doing things just a little bit differently for this format. We're recording this during the TechSquare Job Fair Spring 2018 series as part of the March 20th Mentor Circle. And all of this has been made possible by our partners at ATDC and Choose ATL. And we've assembled, uh, I think, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven mentors uh, to interact. Did I count that right? Yes. Um, uh, to find out to interact with job seekers to find out what it's really like to make this move. So uh, I'll start by putting each mentor in the hot seat to answer my single question. And then we'll turn to the burning questions our job seekers have submitted for the roundtable to wrestle with. Uh, wrestle with a question, not, not with a questioner. See, no one's ever laughed at that joke all three times, Felix. All right. Nor should they. I would question their sanity. Uh, and after about 30 minutes of all that, we'll wrap up the recording and move to an off-the-record speed mentoring for our live audience and for our mentors. Sean, you, you okay with that? That's good? All right, so I'm excited to have uh, all these people from a range of companies, from corporate giants to startups, so let me introduce each of them as uh, they sit down in the hot seat, metaphorically. And we're gonna do this, uh, I decided, by alphabetical order of first name. So if uh, we can get the microphone over to Carrie Moore, as part of the Innovation Center of the Hangar. Uh, Carrie, um, welcome to the show. Thank Thanks you. for being here. Uh, uh, what, what advice would you uh, give your younger self? To my younger self, I would say, find the things that you excel at, combine them, and leverage them. Um, I would also tell myself to travel often because it's very, very good for me. Mm. <laughs> so uh, with the idea of mid-career moves, what kind of moves have you made so far in your life? I began my professional career as an art educator. I'm teaching seventh grade art in the Mississippi public school system. And um, over time, discovered over 10 years of being an art teacher, discovered a love for designing programs, designing systems, designing um, experiences for people. Uh, learning experiences and enlightening experiences and enjoyable experiences. And that took me uh, from being an art teacher into graduate school where I studied design management and made my way into the innovation sector where currently I lead experience design at Delta Airlines Innovation Lab and um, truly love this career move that I've made. Wonderful. Awesome. Thank you for being here. We'll get back to you on the, the next round. So we'll go to Chris Heaton with Ingenious Micro. Chris, let's start with the question she just answered. What's been your, what's been moves have you made in your career? So um, when I was 35, I uh, decided 
I couldn't stay in, in uh, corporate America anymore uh, and decided to start our own company. So that was moved from a uh, government contracting world um, where we were doing R&D for different customers, but uh, I really never thought that we'd actually make it out of the lab. Uh, there wasn't really a, a structure to sell anything to anyone except people, right? We just, we'd sell seats and bodies to, uh, to the government um, and uh, really want to do something different. So what advice would you give to your younger self? Uh, I would say not to be so scared, really. So it, it, it was, uh, I knew I would, um, it was a dead end for me. I, I couldn't handle it anymore and knew that uh, I just had to jump off um, and, and uh, should have done it probably five years earlier. Hmm. Good. Can't wait to hear more. Uh, now let's go to Daniel Savio with TechSquare Labs. Virtual reality artist, extraordinaire, many things to many people. Minister of awesomeness, I've heard once in a while. True. So what has been your journey, Daniel? What, what have, which moves have you made over your career? Yeah, so I made a few moves. Um, I decided I didn't want to work for anyone when I graduated college, so I freelanced for a long time um, and did a lot of different things. So graphic design, web development, um, video, film, animation, all different kinds of things. And then when I went to enter the job market, it was incredibly hard because people don't like people that can do a lot of things. They like one person who's really good at a very specific thing, specifically a specific JavaScript library. <laughs> and uh, I wasn't that guy. So um, I ended up actually learning a lot about entering the job market and humbling myself to a very high degree. Um, and that's actually when I worked at TechSquare Labs and I came in as a front desk person. Um, which didn't last for very long and I ended up managing the space um, within six months and uh, then that's how I got the title Minister of Awesome, I guess. <laughs> oh, I thought that was an online course. Uh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. All right, so what advice, <laughs> you got it. All right, there's one person who got the joke. Uh, so uh, what advice would you give your younger self? Um, so I actually think my younger self is kind of smarter than I am now, but I'll give my, my younger self the advice to just do it because I felt like I looked at a lot of things and I was like, oh yeah, what they're doing is so easy. Oh yeah, that type of music is super easy to make. Why would they do it that way? Um, versus like just going out and just making something and being like, that's easy because I did this and this is different and this is more original or whatever instead of just talking about it, just straight up doing it. Good stuff. All right, let's move on to Felix. Felix Hugh? Go you. Is that you, right? That's right. Next Who? to you. You? Who? You? Who? Moi. Moi? <laughs> Who's on second? Oh, no. no that's first. Sorry. <laughs> so, uh, Felix, if you don't know, is an amazing Instagram uh, follow. If uh, you want to see the amazing food he eats and the fitness he keeps, uh, I just aspire to be Felix. All right. Next, uh, we've got uh, Kwame. No, sorry. <laughs> so, what moves have you made, Felix? Um... <laughs> I, uh, so I started my career in architecture, um, so I, start, I studied architecture here at Tech, uh, practiced for a few years, but it was during the recession, so it just wasn't a very happy time, and uh, I decided that I wanted to take a step back from that. I thought I was going to be like a super architect by studying engineering, did that for a few years, uh, taking classes, and then while I was doing that, I was doing a whole bunch of web design, going to hackathons, uh, kind of found my niche in the UX world and uh, ended up co-founding a startup here in town. Um, did that for a few years, raised money, had a ton of fun, 
made a ton of mistakes, did the pivot several times. <laughs> um, and then when that went under, um, thought I was gonna go back into the corporate world, uh, but ultimately ended up finding Calendly here, uh, which was like an amazing success. So um, really fortunate that that happened. But um, yeah, it's been a big journey. Yeah, there's quite a rocket ship, Calendly's yeah. become so. Yeah. So what advice would you give your younger self? Uh, I also, think that my younger self wouldn't really listen to anything that I said now. <laughs> but I would attempt to I would attempt to, you know, emphasize, you know, balance, trying to find balance, um, you know, uh, in health, in uh, in social life, family, spiritual everything. Hmm. Yeah. Stuff. All right, let's get over to Kwambe. Good job. We'll come back on on that. There you go. Sorry, I was too far, one too far. Kwame's <laughs> with AT&T. Uh, what's your journey been like? Um, well, thanks for having me again here for my second go around here. Uh, my journey has been pretty, I guess, standard. I went to went to college, uh, got the job, uh, started a family. Um, I tried entrepreneurship uh, two times and failed twice, but learned a lot from that. Um, but I started working in the public sector. Actually, prior to that, I worked in the private sector and then matriculated to the public sector. And then now I'm back in the private sector again at AT&T. Um, but I went through a transition of relearning where I wanted to learn something different. My background was in finance and in finance and accounting, but I had an interest in information technology. And at the age of 42, I decided to go back and get my... Uh, certification in management information systems. And I was doing that and trying to raise kids and work, so that was a challenge, but I got it done. And now it got, it got me the position that I'm at now at AT&T, which is a financial systems manager. So that's kind of been it. So what advice would you give your younger self then? Uh, the advice, the, there are many things, but the, the, the top thing that comes to mind is to get outside of your comfort zone and learn something new. Um, there was a lot of times where I stayed in a position because it was comfortable, the money was good, you know, there wasn't a lot of stress, and a lot of times you don't learn, you're not challenged if you don't push yourself to learn something new. So I would say get out of your comfort zone and learn something new or try something that's going to push you outside of your comfort zone. Nice. All right. Let's uh, move on over to Roger Lopez with Bill Moe. Uh, speaking comfort zone, uh, discomfort. Uh, I always think of Roger, and I think of discomfort. Uh, good friend of mine, longtime friend. Um, never come over to my house again after that one. So, <laughs> never been. No, you've been to my house once. Oh yeah, once. Yeah. All right. Anyway, we're, Roger. We're, we're we're talking about le le some illegal things. I remember. Yeah, we. Uh, well, <laughs> we uh, we took Daniel's advice. It was not talking about it. We were doing it. So. Um, <laughs> Just no kidding. Uh, if you're the FBI listening, <laughs> that wasn't my voice. That was somebody else. <laughs> Roger, uh, why don't you uh, talk to us about some of the uh, other stuff you've done? You know, what, what moves have you made? You've uh, done a, a lot of different things. Yeah. So I mean, uh, yeah, I started in reverse, like most people normally start their careers. You know, start with internship and go all the way up. I was very stubborn at the time. Um, I got in a fight with my dad. He was against what I went to school with. So I decided to prove him wrong. So right after school, instead of taking the normal corporate way, I started an agency 20 years, something 20 more, more than 20 years ago. Uh, 
and you know grew it from you know one employee to you know 20 and we sold and but then I had to go back to the workforce the company that bought me so it was a little bit different uh, you know the moving from one to another here in your entire career you have the experience but you're too young for the experience that you have uh, so the career moves it was kind of challenging and I you know one of the things I always had to know more than everybody else not being a smart addict but because of my age, I had to compensate with, you know, learning and not sleeping and, and, and knowing that I can compensate based on knowledge. So, uh, and then once I left the Silicon Valley, I had the challenge of moving again because I had family, I had to help out with family and everything. So when I moved back to Arizona, I was pigeonholed on just either agency or high tech. And, and most of the old school companies said, oh, no, well, you know, you need to go back to Silicon Valley, you know, a normal company. You just don't have the corporate type of experience. And so I got that answer a couple of times. And then someone offered me something that normally I would have said no because it was a quarter of the pay to work for the Marine Corps, to be a marketing director for the Marine Corps. And I was just like, oh, I know you won't be interested. And they showed me that it was technically running the marketing department for an entire city retail just imagine five different verticals all at once. And they told me, you get paid little, and the average lifespan of a marketing director is six years. I mean, six months, I'm sorry. They had 12 in the last 10 years, something like that. And I'm like, so I got carte blanche with all this? I was like, cool. So I actually stayed there for five years, and not because you know it was so hard, but it was a lab. And I told myself, I'm never going to be pigeonholed in one vertical. So actually, literally, I was literally playing for, you know, every 30 days I would put my team on a different vertical from entertainment to concerts to events to uh, retail. It, for me, it was going back to school, but it was actually my job. Mm -hmm. And people were like, you're overworking yourself. You're working for the government. You should only work 40 hours a day, a week. And I'm like, hell no, this is, this is, I was working 100 hours a week. So when I finally, my wife said, stop turning down jobs, offering you five times, time to move or else. <laughs> so. I ended up they get your attention. I, I ended up having the skill set to, to jump. So I was able to then after that is be heads of marketing of e-commerce, you know, take it to the retail 500, consumer brands, Elf on the Shelf, head of digital, then uh, SaaS, Sidekick, uh, uh, helped lead that team, and then now on mobile. Because I forced myself to learn all these different things, like you said, out of your comfort zone. And now it's like, now I get bored after two years and, you know, you know, when I told them I was moving to Bilmo to doing mobile in Latin America, I haven't touched mobile in five years. And I know that things change, but since I had already trained my, my mind to look at all these different things, I was able to switch back and forth. And so, so. so what, what advice would you give your younger self then? I think probably my younger self would be have fun. I've been going at my rate for 20 years, mm -hmm. 100 hours. It's just my natural. So I know that I missed some things that most college students had and most 22-year-olds when they were intern, you know, they go to their intern job and then party. I missed all of that. So I think that's what I would tell my, myself is like, you know, you, might, you won't lose that much. Uh, and just tell myself a little bit to just have fun. And, you know, I just, that's probably the biggest thing that I would tell myself. Nice. All right, let's get over to Sean Park, Matisse and Krupp. Uh, Sean, what's been your journey? My journey. What moves have you made, man? <laughs> well, when you invited me to this mid-career move, I just thought, well, I've only been working for 10 years, so unless you give me like some really 
lucrative business venture we can go down with, yeah. and like so I can get out in the next 10 years, so I only work for 20 years. Um, but I guess within that time, uh, I started off working for an engineering consulting firm uh, as a transmission, a distribution electrical engineer, and I worked there for about four years, and then uh, my current position now is with Tissacrove Elevator, and it's a research, RIC's Research Innovation Center. Um, and I, have, I use my skills from electrical engineering in that position as well. Um, but definitely two different kind of, I guess, lives there mm -hmm. when it comes to career. So what advice would you give your younger self? <sighs> Loaded question. <laughs> I would probably give them stock advice since I'm in the future now. And, <laughs> and I could really make that mid-career move. Um, no, no, trust me, the Cubs <laughs> will win. The Cubs are going to win. Yeah, just invest. <laughs> yeah. Housing market is not the crash isn't going to last forever, but um, I would say, you know, looking back, I think back at that first career uh, position I was in, um, a lot of it was I always felt like I was like, okay, well, you know, I have electrical engineering degree and um, I work in T and D and I work for a consulting firm and this is what I do and this is, you know, uh, this is just how it's going to be. But you know, as I was working that position, I was noticing that I was like, man, you know, like something's not right and I, I don't know you know, I, I feel like I could, I don't know, just figure out what's really, I guess, a good thing to understand, really just need to understand myself a little bit better. And I realized, oh, you know, hey, I've got this creativity, but I'm in this consulting role that's very, you know, very specific. It's kind of, a, a, you know, very specific output. And I was just like, okay, well, but I'm in, you know, I've, I've always just said, okay, well, this is, you know, I'm an engineer. This is what I do. This is, this is my career move. Um, but if I could go back and give myself some advice, I think, it would help me at least transition to this place a little bit more confidently. It was just kind of believe in yourself. Um, always felt like, uh, you know, I could never get like an innovation role or something very creative because I was always kind of engineering mindset. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I just need to start over or something. But um, no, it's really just kind of have to do your research and just see, hey, there's, there's, you know, startup worlds out there. There's a lot of people that I've talked to that, you know, start off with art degrees and now uh, have technical roles or in the reverse and then just really started talking to people and I'm like, hey, maybe I could do something like this. Let me just put myself out there and believe in myself. So. Well, this is, um, this is a good start because we've got um, very interesting questions from our uh, audience. Uh, let me go with uh, Buddy is asking, what can you do to reinvent yourself? First, first. Same order? <laughs> Different order. Whichever order you want. Carrie again, hello. So I'm drawing back to the advice I gave my younger self, which was find the things you excel at, uh, combine them, and leverage them, which is if I could look back over my career history, that's exactly what I did. I found things that I really enjoyed and then therefore excelled at them because they, were, they came natural for me. Um, so to reinvent myself, I combined those elements, um, my love for creativity, my um, deep interest in helping people, um, uh, an interest in experiences that is a thread throughout my life. And so I began combining these things and um, ended up discovering design management program at SCAD and moving into the innovation world. And so that's a pretty big leap going from an art teacher in a middle school to eventually, and by the way, you guys, this was 10 years, three states, four cities, you know, seven or eight jobs. And so it took, it takes time. Um, but to reinvent yourself, I believe it, it, you've already got what you need, and um, you just need to combine it in the right way. 
to reinvent who you're going to be. I think I would just build on that and you know every every journey starts with a step so you have to be able to kind of believe in yourself and th that first step is the hardest part so whether it means well I wouldn't recommend leaving your job immediately <laughs> but uh, but finding a way to kind of get your foot in the door right so whether it means uh, taking um, a side gig or just a personal project um, taking a, a class uh, there's a lot of different ways in order to find a way to to kind of make that move. The biggest uh, thing that some, one of the, some of the biggest things, especially when you already have been in your career for a long time, your ego can sometimes get in the way of reinventing yourself. So one of the biggest things I always recommend is one, be humble and then ask questions. And a perfect example was uh, when I was with Elf on the Shelf, one of my jobs was in all of the digital, but one of them was uh, launch game development from scratch. So I was kind of like, I know how to play it. I know how to push buttons. I don't know what the heck. And you know, 15 years into my career, so I kind of started asking people, going to meetups, and like, who knows their shit? And they're like, the guys in Finland are the best. Uh, for the guys from Robio and Supercell. So I found out who their head of monetization was, and I just tracked them down to their emails, and I shot them an email compliment out of the blue, says, hey, you guys are killing it. This is who I am. Can I help you with anything on my expertise? Would love any of the tips you can give me. And I reached out to the top two guys, and out of the blue, they replied, and we became friends. And they actually sent me their entire formulas for the freemium business model, everything, because no one's ever just reached out and just be humble and say, hey, I would love to learn from you, even though I'm older than you. And they sent me everything. And I literally turned around and applied that in Elf, and we were number two publisher in, by TechCrunch in Christmas in less than three or four months. So just, you know, most people would have been ego, oh no, he's younger than me, I got more years of experience, or, or maybe I could you know, go in another way, but I just said, you guys are doing awesome, and can I, help, can, you know, can I help you with any of my stuff, and can you help me? And they just literally gave me everything. I mean, there was no, I was like blown by, both of them were literally sending me everything. Here you go, it, there's, no, there's no secret sauce or whatever, there, you know, we build it, but. Just do that, never be afraid to ask from someone. And most people, you know, unless they have uh, uh, issues that they think that you know, someone's gonna take their job, most of them are willing to share it if you're just honest and asking them. Anyone in on that? Right there. I was gonna say, just as a footnote, when we talked about illegal stuff, it was Elf on the Shelf, it was totally illegal. That's what we worked on, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> that so was move, the illegal thing. Uh, yeah, moving on. Um, actually, for, uh, <clears throat> so leveraging. Chris, let me introduce you to the new host of the show, Chris uh, yeah, Heaton. Uh, I'll be uh, tip your waitress. Um, so, we'll um, keying off uh, his ego comment. Um, graduate, you know, graduating uh, with a physics degree. My my full time job um, was making fun of engineers because you weren't a scientist, and 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 that was. And even lower on the totem pole were the people that worked in the back office. So if they accepted your purchasing, you know, whatever, or if they had to sign a contract, you know, the CFO was a, you know, was a dummy. I, I mean, I knew, of course I knew more than him. And then um, when I finally started, uh, you know, when we started the company, I realized that was the jobs that nobody else wanted to do. And I realized, well, maybe that's what I should be, okay, I'll just do that. And now I've realized that I actually enjoy that job. I, I enjoy taking the employees and, and connecting them through a 
hopefully a well-run system at times, connecting customers through that as well. That's you know, and and I never realized how uh, fulfilling that could be, and I never thought that you know a, a uh, that job was a. I didn't think it was a real job. I thought you had to be burning yourself with a soldering iron to actually, you know, you know, count as a real job, and uh, that probably held me back for a long time. I think. So we have a couple different questions that hit on the same theme. Um, so one is, how does one pivot from working sales in a non-tech firm to working financials and ops at a tech firm? That's one. The other one is, uh, I'm gonna say, how do you transition from academia without any meaningful connections? Um, and then uh, the other one that was very close to it was, um, if you had experience in uh, one technology and want to change back, how would you proceed? So there's, there's all this switching, maybe not with uh, your, with any experience in something or going from a whole different thing called academia to for-profit stuff. What kind of, you, you, you want to tackle one of the specifics, you can do that. Repeat the sales one again. Uh, there we go. So how does one pivot from working sales in a non-tech firm to working finance and ops at a tech firm? All right, that's from one function in a non-tech company into a different function in a tech firm. And then, um, go ahead and jump in if you want. I was gonna say, these are, that's, that's kind of a theme that's emerged in these questions. I mean, this is, this is Carrie. For me, it was choosing the right graduate school, and that's exactly what planted the, the motion and steps towards um, my future career moves. I know that that's not um, the only answer. So, anybody else? Um, I've had sales people underneath me and I've worked in sales people and so you know and I know that that's one of the toughest people where people get stuck because it's one of the jobs that has the biggest churn rate and where companies are willing to hire and then let them go and but they really went through a management degree so one of the biggest things is take advantage of the time that you're doing sales uh, so if you want to go into the operational side or the marketing side or whatever it is uh, most of the sales guys are getting their numbers and they're gone. If you really want to move that switch, then you got to put that extra time and credit to learn the operational side on your own time. Because if you then spend your sales time to learn that, you will get canned because you're not hitting your numbers. So, but if you do want to make that switch and that's your true passion, get it done while you're doing sales. So reach out to the business development team people or the operations people and say, hey, you know what? This is my job. I, I really want. Would like to learn this piece. Can you mentor me? You know, on my extra time, on my days off, whatever it is. You know, it's what it's going to take. And and so that when you do the, you know, most likely, they'll probably offer you the job to move you over if they already pre-train you and everything. And that's your first step. You know, to moving over, um, because in the interview you're not going to be able to talk your way. They're going to think salesperson and only salesperson. But if you know the operational side then you can move, do the move over. So you're going to have to hustle when you're doing on the sales. And sales, you, have a, you, you, you literally are always busy. But if you want it that bad and you want to get out of sales because that's the, your first job that you got thrown into, you're going to ha have to hustle out in your own time and still keep your numbers while you're in that company. You're already in a foot in that company. Practice that. I, I was just going to add, I, I don't have any experience in sales, but in terms of um, career transitioning, for me, I wanted to always get into information technology with a, but I had a background in finance and accounting. So if anyone who's an accountant knows that it's very 
black and white, debits and credits, and that's it. And to move from that into a technical position, I had to reinvent myself by going back to school and learning on my own time. So there was a lot of nights where I had, you know, I went back to school, worked on my uh, certification, and there were a lot of nights where I had to stay up from like 11 to 2 in the morning, reading, writing, just putting in that work to learn that skill set and learn the knowledge to get to where I wanted to be. So a lot of times you have to, you know, make some sacrifices and figure out, you know, if I really want to go this route, what is it going to take for me to get there? And that may involve, you know, like I had to, you know, come up with a plan of how I was going to get from A to B. And I knew it involved going to school. I knew it involved uh, doing some projects on my own through reading certain books in IT and things of that nature, uh, talking to other people in the position that I wanted to go to, uh, trying to find a mentor, you know, all of those things. It, it takes a plan to get from where you are to where you want to be. So that's what I would suggest. Um, I can tell a little bit about the story of uh, our founder at Cowanly, uh, Topawatana. He comes from a background in sales, but he his journey was working in uh, a number of very, very successful startups. So there were smaller ones, there were larger ones, some of them got sold to um, other big companies, and he was able to expose himself to a lot of different parts of the organization in those different organ in those different companies, and kind of like through osmosis, learned all the different skills that he knew he wanted to to use in order to ultimately start his own company. Um, that's like that's one journey, but I think it also is uh, one way to think about you know how do you leverage the position that you're in, thinking about the organizations that you know you're going to be able to find those other skills in. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit more towards the question about coming from the world of academia and not really having a network. Um, I think that there's actually an advantage there where there's an entire network that you have in academia that none of the people that you're trying to meet and none of the people in the new network that you're trying to gain has. So you kind of have a strength to be able to pull from to where most likely if you're working in academia, you have some sort of strong knowledge in a certain subject. and there are all these people in a new network that you can talk to about this and will probably be interested in what you have to say. So I wouldn't see it as necessarily a negative that you don't have a network yet, but as sort of a positive that you're bringing some diversity to this new network that you're trying to break into. Yeah, I wanted to touch on that academia as well. Um, I think also with that network, you also have the resources on campus, you generally to work with uh, different research groups that work with companies. So that's a really good way to get in there and really just kind of understand, you know, how to apply your skill set for a company in academia so you get like a feel of what the company, you know, you may work for in the future is going to be like. Right. This is a fun one. Um, Rulong asked, uh, what's the worst job advice you've received? <laughs> <laughs> Who's up? <laughs> Um, I'll say uh, follow the money. That's that's probably the the worst uh, advice that I've received because money doesn't al always make you happy. You gotta you gotta enjoy coming into the office. You gotta enjoy what you're doing. So you know, find your passion first and let your passion you know rule where you want to go. But money is not always everything. In my uh, second job, um, 
as I kind of worked my way up into, I guess, uh, the uh, sacred halls of middle management. It was fantastic. Um, <laughs> I, worked for, uh, I worked for a lot of uh, lieutenant colonels who never made it to colonel, and I, I didn't come from that background and didn't realize they've got some issues, right? As they go into the corporate world, just, just burning desire of crushing middle managers. And so um, I got told a lot, wait, stop pushing so hard. You can't sign that by yourself. You have to talk to this person. Go talk to contracts. Go talk to the CFO. And it was, the whole, it was a horrible idea because I, it, it, it didn't, that wasn't me. And that was where they wanted, that's how they wanted the company to work, very slow, methodical. And, um, yeah, it, it, uh, was, uh, it was a dead end. And, and that, that advice kind of clued me in. You know, it was go get more management training. Go get another management certification. I'm, why? I, I, what, what's it going to teach me? How to do a better spreadsheet and, and track my, and rank my employees? It's ridiculous. Sorry. <laughs> Commentary. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. It transitions to my next question. What do you think about middle management? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> if I had to I'm be a, honest. It's an open-ended question. Uh, open -ended. What other bad advice? What was the worst advice? Uh, it's never been done, so I wouldn't risk it. And if anybody knows me, <laughs> that's like telling a kid, don't eat that candy that's on top of the shelf. So for normal people, that was the whole, most horrible advice, and they would follow it. And for me, it meant do it. But if you do it, great. I, you won't get in trouble. That's what I heard. <laughs> Bad advice? Worst advice? No, you, all right. You want to call anyone out? No one? <laughs> oh, man, this has been fun. Uh, I think we've got time just for the close. Actually, I'm going to have one final question for you guys, all right? We've talked a lot uh, about the transitions. Um, and I think, think about the, the folks that have come here today uh, obviously are attracted to the idea of mid-career moves because they're thinking about they need to make a move. What, what's, the, what's the one thing you want them to walk away from tonight uh, with in their head? What would you like them to know about this idea of making this move? Still All right, and go. Don't be scared to pull the trigger. Well, most people are, when thinking of making the move, they're next week, next month, a year from now, and they, they won't start looking. You never know when that perfect opportunity is coming down, so always be open. I, you know, I'm super happy with the company I'm at right now, and we're killing it, and you know, I'm the CMO and one top fintech, but I get, you know, I get, I get uh, recruiters contact me like every other week, and my response is always, look, as a father and a husband, I love where I'm at, but if you have something that's better for my family, show it to me. And I'm al that's al my always response no matter with what company I'm at, because I always have to be open. You never know when that next thing. So be ready. That's the biggest advice. Carrie again, hey. Um, I would say if you're taking away anything from the night to consider uh, your true interests, what you're really good at, as in your self-insights, um, not just that you like spreadsheets, but what does that mean deeply um, about you, and think about how you could use those things to specialize in an area or become a generalist expert as well um, in, in those fields like, uh, like Daniel did. But... Um, 
to take what you're truly excellent at and then build upon it and then go out and find the right thing for you. Don't wait for it to come and find you, but you go find it. I just want to kind of second on the end of that and say, yeah, if you're looking to transition, I would say two things. One, start doing what you want to start doing because you'll know if you really want to do it. And luckily, if you're still working where you're at and you're somewhat comfortable, you can just be like, whoa, that really actually sucked. I, don't, I didn't like that. Um, and you have that flexibility versus being you know, on the other path. And then secondly, oh man, what was the second thing? Oh yeah, be humble. Um, I would just add that uh, maybe take uh, inventory of yourself and and come up with a plan of what you want to do and how you want to get there. Um, like I mentioned before, I, I sat down one day over a couple of days and sat down and wrote down exactly how how I wanted to get from point A to point B. So. You know, I had a, uh, a blueprint of where I was going. So I would say just come up with a plan, take inventory of your skill sets, your passions, your interests, and then let that guide you to where you want to be. I was going to say, kind of second to that, uh, yeah, I was just going to say, you know, spend time on yourself. Uh, back to the inventory, writing it down. Um, when I was you know, transitioning, a lot of it was trying to understand, you know, why I w was feeling weird. And I was just like, man, uh, I know I'm not super great at it. Maybe it just means I'm a bad engineer or something. I don't know. But uh, I really took, you know, some time to look into, you know, a lot of self-help books and understand, you know, hey, you know, if I were to even transition to another position, you know, what exactly, how would I be strong at something like that? Or what could I take my new skills or my current skills and in, into that position? So. Uh, back to the inventory, you know, looking at the books, they, uh, you can, you know, write all about yourself and, you know, that's a lot of fun, right? You can write a lot about yourself and uh, really understand where a lot of your strengths are and even where your weaknesses are. So you can work on your weaknesses as well and use that to be uh, a way to move into a new position. I think there's like this saying, luck favors the prepared, ready. Luck favors is something. <laughs> Fortune favors the bull. Fortune favors the bull, sure. <laughs> Hard work pays off, right? So like, it's not, gonna, it's not gonna just gonna come to you, um, so just keep working at it. Mm -hmm. yeah. one, one more thing to what they said. Do not wait until you need it. That's the other thing, is recruiters or in companies can, just like they say analysts can smell fear, they can smell when you're desperate. And that same feeling, they can tell that, and it automatically lowers your chances. So do not wait till you truly, truly need it before you look for that switch, because they can tell. Um, I would say one of the, um, as, as you're looking for a transition, I think, talk to the people around you. So, so for me, it was uh, my wife, and uh, we had three and a half kids at that point, and uh, it was kind of a crazy discussion to have with her. Um, while she was pregnant and to say, oh, by the way, I'm gonna quit my job and we're gonna start this other thing, we're gonna move to Atlanta. And I was completely shocked and surprised. She goes, finally, right? Well, mm -hmm. I, I, I knew it all along. And I was like, what? What are you talking about? And she's like, you're a big dummy, just, I knew it. And I was like, ugh. And, and so again, it is, it's, <laughs> it's difficult. Sort of, I guess, yeah, maybe that's a, 
Okay, I'll take that. Um, and uh, it's difficult to know yourself, to be self-aware. And I thought I knew what was going on. I, was, I just hated my job. I thought everybody hated the job, right? And, uh, the, and, and it was a good revelation for, for her to kind of speak to me, you know, speak into my head at that point. And like she had done in college about which degree I was incorrectly choosing at the time. So, so she's, she's two for two. See a trend in that relationship. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, we have reached the end of the show. Uh, once again, a huge thank you to ATDC, Choose ATL, our mentors, uh, every job seeker who, who's here tonight, as well as you, the audience, listening to this podcast. For, for you, those of us, excuse me, for those of you joining us online, uh, thanks for checking out this episode. If you want to, we'd love to have you subscribe to the TechSquare ATL podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. And if you want to learn more about the heart of Atlanta's tech scene, check out TechSquareATL.com. So until you see the silhouette of a chair in the sky, this has been The Hot Seat. Ooh, ooh.